to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. This is a really exciting episode because it is the very first guest episode of the podcast. I've been talking about this for a little bit, and I'm really excited that I'm finally bringing on, um, well, today, someone that I really know really well and really respect, but just in general, um, other people, so you don't have to just listen to me talk. Uh, I'm lucky enough to know a lot of really smart people, both in the fitness and nutrition spaces and in the arts and music world. And I want to get those people in your ears as well, because they have a lot of really useful experience and information that can help you uh, make the changes that you're struggling to make. And today's guest is no exception. So today's guest is a good friend of mine. Um, we met because we were like connected through a business mentorship that we were in. We we sort of knew another woman who was in the membership mentorship and she said you guys should get together so we had like a um a meetup at a coffee shop and the rest is history I guess <laughs> um we've been getting together ever since um working together at different co-working spaces hanging out you know as friends bouncing ideas off each other um so this is a really good friend of mine but also this is a uh, someone whose work I really respect and I think you guys are really gonna enjoy this conversation today so Jacqueline um I said a little bit about how I know you, but why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be here and honored <laughs> to be your first guest. And as I was kind of like reviewing what I wanted to talk about today, I was kind of going back and I was like, wow, you know, during the time that we met up in Chicago and became friends was really like when I first started working remote, had moved to Chicago, moved back to Chicago, was pretty isolated, didn't have like a good schedule. And honestly, like finding community, finding people um, was like number one on my list of like what I needed to do to like learn to take care of myself as an adult. So it is really, it's honestly, I want to say it's like four years ago, like yeah, 2023. I just thinking it was probably at least like 2018 if not it was definitely 20 before 2019 so it's been a while was it okay yeah. yeah yeah it's been a while so yeah thanks so much for having me but a little bit of background um yeah so i right now um i do have a full time job and then i also uh have some health and life coaching clients on the side and all of this really has come out of me feeling under equipped as an adult in taking care of myself. Previously, I was um, a kindergarten teacher in Chicago public schools. I have my bachelor's and master's degree in education and great. That's so fun teaching um, little kids. But like as an adult, like I did not know how to take care of myself. Like as a teacher, I was very unhealthy, um, didn't take time for myself, like had a stressful work days, lots of people 
people do in like kind of, you know, where they work. Everyone has a stressful work day. And um, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't sleeping well. I never took time to do things for myself. So really a lot of like what I have figured out probably over the last eight or nine years was kind of this um, culmination of like, I was just in really bad health and needed to figure things out. And I think I, I started to figure a lot of things out once I turned 30 um, and kind of, yeah, it's been a lot of twists and turns over the last eight or nine years of figuring out how to be an adult who takes care of themselves. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I don't, I was a little younger when I sort of had this realization after music school that I like there was a lot of stuff that I no one ever taught me um, anything from dealing with taxes to just like how to cook and how to like you say be an adult and I think that coming especially from the music world but also really any profession like teaching is similar I imagine where you're sort of singularly focused on an outcome like you have so much stuff to learn professionally or whatever but there's a lot of other stuff that's super super important for living a good life and um it can be a bit of a shock when you like get to a point where like oh man I don't know how to do any of this stuff or I don't even know where to begin um I'd love to hear more about like some of the biggest challenges that you face because I know so you you're you've been out teaching for some time now but I know that recently you transitioned actually a little before the pandemic I believe before everybody else to working fully remote and I know that that was a really important part of um this journey for you. And I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about that and some of the challenges you face. Definitely. Yeah. When I left teaching, um, and I think this is, this will probably resonate with a lot of people, right? Like people, uh, people are making changes in their jobs and they're deciding that their health and their happiness is important for them. And so that was really like something that kind of drove that decision to leave teaching and kind of go figure something else out. And that's great. That's wonderful. However, (laughs) Um, that brought on a lot of other challenges, um, because I was not forced to wake up and put clothes on and make a commute. And, you know, when you have a job, you, as a teacher, you kind of have a scheduled lunch break. And it was a personal trainer too. I've talked to lots of people, nurses, you kind of have a scheduled lunch break, but like, there's this, like, there's this cadence to your day of like how you do things. There's this routine. And when I stopped going into work, like all of that was lost. And I found myself, I have 24 hours. Great. That's wonderful. You are in charge of how you are going to spend this time. I had no idea what to do with all of that time and how to structure my day. And so I found myself in like really bad slumps. I would call them like depressive slumps where I was just um, staying up all night Uh, on my phone, you know, on social media or BuzzFeed or stupid videos, like spending all of this time staying up late because I didn't have to wake up early um, and I didn't have to go into a job. Um, Also found myself um, not taking my dog out. Like I have a dog, like not consistently taking her out and like her for walks, which is bad for her and bad for me. Found myself not really like communicating with people, not really seeing people, just kind of like staying home. Um, also in this really bad habit of saying, it's okay, I don't have to shower today or like, it's okay, I don't have to wash my hair today. And then also like later on in the day, just feeling just completely gross in my skin, like just feeling like physically, like my skin was like oily, but also just like feeling gross about myself. And like, like honestly, a lot of uh, poor self-talk and shame about 
kind of this life that I was living like, okay, great. Like you just left a career that you really didn't like so that you could change things in your life. And now things are even worse. And so I, um, I really got to this point, um, you know, in life coaching, we always talk about how you really won't make a change in your life until you can no longer experience, you will no longer experience the pain that you're in. You're like, I deserve better than this. And until you get to that point, you'll kind of just keep allowing those things to happen. But I really did get to this point where it's like, you cannot keep doing this. Like you need to make a shift in what you're doing in your life. And so it started off small. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, I magically knew how to do everything and be like a responsible adult that knew how to take care of themselves. But it was really like these small things that I started adding on to kind of help myself. And I have a saying that I always use, like, I want to feel good, not gross. And that kind of was what geared, uh, helped a lot of the decisions. Yeah. I think a lot of people will, will resonate with that. I mean, during the pandemic, especially like when people so myself for example I, I used to work at a commercial gym and I got laid off and so I was just at home and um all of a sudden I had all this free time and at, at first there was a lot of like doom scrolling about the news on COVID you know and um kind of panicking and like being on social media a lot and uh I realized at a certain point like okay I have all this time like I need what I'm missing from the job that I was going to, even though personal training is a job with a ton of variety and, and schedule, like I still had some sort of like structure and um, like waypoints for like a better word in my day. And so I needed to create those to feel good. And I basically started with a morning routine and, and kind of went from there. But yeah, it's like, we think sometimes that when we have a lot of freedom or free time, uh, like we idealize it, we think everything's going to be great. But a lot of times that can be just as stressful, if not more stressful than whatever tyranny of a, of a job or other obligations we were hoping to get away from. Totally. Yes. It's this great. I have 24 hours. I can do whatever I want. But without having any structure, you end up not doing anything. You end up on your phone the entire day. And then you and then you got to the end of the day and you feel so much guilt. Like I just wasted a full day of my life. Um, and not that I, you know, like the, the tyranny, like, <laughs> okay, I don't want to go back to that stressful work situation that I was in, but like, this also does not feel good. Like not making good use of your time. Um, feeling like, Hey, like I'm a smart person and I'm, wasting my life away like that does not feel good yeah no that totally resonates with me I'm curious like I'd love to hear more about so I know that your website for example is called systems for self-care and I know that um a lot of what you do and we'll talk a lot more about this in a little bit is like helping people create systems but I'm curious when you're first going through this yourself like what were some of the initial changes that you made that kind of helped you get the ball rolling and, and helped you move into a better place with your how you're managing your time and everything else totally um you know you mentioned like the morning routine that was honestly like the the first thing that i knew that i needed to figure out several years ago i'd read uh read the book i think it's called the miracle morning um the gist of the book is really great and he kind of talked about here are the things that he does in his morning um that's great i think what i've learned is like i can learn something about how someone else structures structures their life and then like pull tidbits of like okay I need to do this. I don't really care about that part. But the waking up and doing something like productive was something that I, I knew that I needed to start with. And so 
way back then, like in 2019, beginning of 2019, um, it started with like very simple things. And grant, and I'm in Chicago, so it's cold, it's awful, it's winter, right? But it started with you need to wake up, you need to take your dog for a walk, <laughs> and then you need to take yourself for a walk. So those were the like the first things: wake up, take Jameson for a walk, and then. My dog is very old, so she walks very slow. So it really was like a 10 or 15 minute walk. And then I would take myself for like a brisk walk. Um, a lot of times, like I I wanted to keep it as simple as possible um, and really remove all friction that would prevent me <laughs> from following through with this. So I learned a lot of things along the way. I need to, um, uh, after I take Jameson for a walk, I give her a treat, Right. Well, I learned if the treats are in our back room in our house and I have to walk through the whole house to get her treats, I might walk past the dishes. I might walk past the laundry. I can get sidetracked with those things. So if I'm supposed to take Jameson for a walk and then take myself for a walk, I need to move the treats to the front of the house so I can take her for a walk, give her a treat, head back outside and take myself for a brisk walk. Um, Another thing I like, another way I've removed friction was like, um, feeling the need to look pretty on my walk, like feeling this need to like look nice. I literally would roll out of bed and in my pajamas. And I will say I still, I work out in my pajamas in the morning. Like I just wear sweatpants or like black leggings to bed and a sweatshirt. I just need to put a sports bra on and then I'm good to go. And that's, that really helps remove a lot of friction and make it easier for me to like go and take myself for that walk. I also, I also like to mention too, like This wasn't like a, again, this wasn't like overnight, like, oh, I figured all of these things out. I had to learn through trial and error, like, okay, why, you know, I want to take myself for a walk. Why is this not happening? Oh, these are the things that are preventing me from it happening. So it's not this idea of like, you're going to be perfect from the get-go. It's kind of like, okay, here's the habit that I want to start. And then (laughs) what's preventing me from, uh, from that happening? But those two things... Jameson for a walk, myself for a walk. And then I think I added that um, additional ones. Then you you need to shower and put on real clothes. And for me, real clothes was just um, anything that wasn't pajamas. So leggings are fine. Workout clothes are fine. A sweatshirt is fine. But you cannot sit around in pajamas all day. Um, I don't have to look as nice as I did when I had to go in, you know, into a classroom or an office. I don't have to wear like super nice clothes, but that was, uh, that was important. So like, really it was like those three things. And then I think I started adding on like another thing. Okay. You're at home all day working. You need to leave the house at some point. So sometimes that meant I'm going to the grocery store to grab something or I'm heading into a co-working space or I'm heading into a coffee shop, but like, you're not seeing humans. You're like, it's just easier for the day to get away from you. But really just like, it's this weird thing of, you don't want all that stress that you had of going into the office, but like some of that stuff is really important to be leaving the house, putting clothes on, having some structure today. But it really was this like gradual thing of like slowly adding things on and also not beating myself up if I didn't do it, but like not letting it slide, like actually realizing like when I don't go do these things, this is actually adding to my stress and my anxiety and my guilt and my shame. So like not 
ignoring those yucky emotions, but like reminding myself, this is why you have to go take action. You are going to feel more anxious if you don't go do this. As much as you hate getting up and going outside, you are going to be mad at yourself if you don't do it. So go do it. Yeah, I love all that. I have a bunch of follow-up questions. One of the first things that I was thinking as you were speaking is like you're talking about your process of um, like, it's not just saying, oh, I'm not doing these things. Like I suck. I'm a failure. But you you've made the leap to like, okay, why am I not doing these things and how can I make it easier on myself? So I'm curious, like, was that uh, challenging for you? Did you have to work through that a lot? And I'd love to like hear more about about that. Yeah, I think we're all our like number one, like worst enemies or we can be. Um, and I think that, I mean, I definitely still fall into that. Like you suck, like what's wrong with you? You're a failure, right? But then it's kind of like realizing that that kind of headspace really keeps you stuck. Um, you know, I, I literally this morning just finished a really good book. It's by Donald Miller and it's called Hero on a Mission. And he talks about how we all have these different characters who live inside of us. Now, Donald Miller is an author. He's a writer. So he really like draws from literature when he's talking about these kind of like philosophical things. But he talks about how um, we have a hero, a villain, um, a victim. And I think I'm missing one of them. But really, like when you're the victim, you're waiting for someone to swoop in and save you. You can also play the villain and you're playing the villain when you're telling yourself you're a piece of crap. You can't do anything right. You're playing the villain. Um, The hero is the one who kind of like perseveres through that. Um, And I think that it is kind of like you have to be more logical. You have to be more um, scientific about things. What's going wrong? How can I change these things? Oh, and then the the fourth one is like once you get past that, you become the guide. And that's kind of how I see myself now. I had to go through a lot of crap. And I was playing all three of those parts, victim, villain, hero. And now I'm kind of like on the other side where I'm like that guy, like, hey, I've been in your shoes. I know what it's like. I can help you kind of out of this. But yeah, there's definitely times that we also, we play that villain, um, but it's not helpful. The villain kind of keeps you stuck and in that headspace of you can't do anything right. Um, And I hear that a lot from my clients too. When they mess up, they start playing the villain to themselves. But the thing about that is that the villain, you don't ever, if you are constantly playing that game, you will, you will just be the victim and the villain to yourself and you'll never move through it. But I think too, just knowing a lot of this, you know, kind of how we were talking at the beginning about how you two, you were like, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to do taxes. Like this is, this is all of us. No one taught, no one taught us this stuff. So it's not like, it's not like you're the only person who struggles with these things. And it's not like you're the only person who struggles with like negative self-talk or like getting into, getting into like a stuck headspace like that. Yeah, I know that that's something that's taken me a long time to realize. And even just talking about the self-talk stuff, I think about my time in music school and like I really suffered in my own head. And I, there was some talk of performance psychology, which is like a huge field that talks a lot about a lot of this stuff, but I was never really exposed to a lot of it. And I always thought that like I was the problem and I was the only one that was struggling. And I, I think a hard realization for me too, you're talking about this like victim and villain role is like sometimes even though like it it feels bad to be the victim, like it can also be comforting because you're just 
it's almost like you're giving yourself an out of like, well, I already knew I couldn't do this thing. Like I already know I'm a failure. So I might as well not even like try. I might as well not even put forth the effort. So it kind of like, although it doesn't feel good in a way it helps you, like that's why you can, we continue to do it in some sense is because it prevents us from having to do some of these things that are difficult to implement at first. Um, I want to hear more. This is something you talk a lot about on your um, social media. And I've, in all the years I've known you, you've talked a lot about, about your efforts to be more of a morning person, especially a morning workout person, because so I'm naturally a morning person. Um, and I also work a job that sort of uh, forces me to get up early. Most of my clients I see before work, my in-person clients. Um, and I personally believe that morning workouts are really helpful for a variety of reasons, but I know that a lot of people have a lot of resistance and I know you're probably would, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you would naturally identify as a morning person. So I'm curious to hear more about how you've made this work for yourself, despite it not coming natural to you. <laughs> Kudos to you for naturally being It has a its downsides person. too, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah. No, um, I... I am not naturally a morning person. And let me give you two examples of this. One, um, in elementary school, I was in Girl Scouts and our Girl Scout troop was like Troop Beverly Hills. We did like a quote camp out at a hotel once and um, there was a wedding downstairs and the fire alarm went off at a hotel, which is really freaking loud. I like was sleeping through it. Like, I just, like, I'm a very hard sleeper. I don't like waking up. People are, like, trying. I'm like, ah, right? And and the other example, too, in elementary school, like, even in first grade, I remember, like, being, just, like, being cranky about waking up and, like, forcing our family to be late to school because, like, I didn't want to get up. Um, but what I've learned through the years is like, well, you still get, like, you have to, like, you're going to get up. Like it's going to happen at some point. And the more you push it off, kind of the more dread. And for me, the more anxiety that it um, packs on when it comes to workouts, you know, I, I also, I, I think this is something similar. Like I didn't grow up as a, an athlete. Like I run now and I lift, but I did not grow up naturally, like athletically um, inclined. I'm not super gifted in those areas of my life. But I have just found if I don't exercise, I am not a good person to myself or to the people around me. And so it's kind of that, yeah, that, that pain. I want to avoid that pain. Um, any, like so many times in my life, I have tried doing afternoon or evening workouts. And it just doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen because life pulls at you. Um, you know, whether that is a, a work meeting or you're just tired by the end of the day or a stressful, something stressful with your family happens or you're stuck commuting. Like there's so many things that can happen as the day goes on. And if it's really important to you to work out, like for me, it's like, it just has to happen in the morning. It just has to. Um, and so I think that I, again, like, I think that my morning workouts, it really did start with just those walks, like a very simple, take my, my dog for a walk, take myself for a walk. Then kind of, um, this is even before the pandemic started, but yeah, like end of 2018, I think beginning of 2020, um, I was like, you need to start working out at home. And I just, I made up this little movement menu of like different lifts that I could do with the weights that I had at home. And I just really focused on lifting for 15 minutes a day. That's it. Then that 
transitioned into me going um, to like a running studio. Like, you know how like their spin classes, um, I started going into a studio that was similar to that, but it was with treadmills and it was super early. It was like, it was like a 515 class. Oof, and I that's hated even earlier it. than I started. I know. <laughs> awful. I hated it. But that was the only class that I could make it to. So I had to go to that class with my work schedule. And then from there, it transitioned to like right now, we are on this like, <laughs> I'm actually in New Mexico right now. We're on this like work from home road trip. And right now for the past 13 weeks, I've been going into the gym at like 6 a.m. and uh, exercising for an hour. And some days are intense and some days are really light, but I just, I head in every day. But it really goes back to, it's not because I have a love of exercise. I don't. Um, for me, exercise is like a, sorry, <laughs> is it like a necessary evil? Like I have to do this so that I'm not a bad person to others and to myself. Um, I've tried even running, which I love running, it's still a pain to go for a run. I love how I feel after running, but it's like, yeah, it just, it, it doesn't happen. It does not happen if I push it off later in the day. Um, also too, I found so many people exercise at night and that's when gyms are packed. So it is actually really nice to go in the morning because you have your choice of the machines and the weights and the space and you don't have to sit around waiting for people. So yeah, it, again, it was not an overnight shift. It took a lot of deliberate action to make this, but like, like I said, we've been on this road trip for 13 weeks. Um, and I, there's only, there's probably been a handful of days that I haven't checked into the gym. That's really awesome. I love that. And yeah, I mean, I am a trainer who recognizes that like the vast majority of people like don't love to exercise and honestly i think some trainers think that that those people are like wrong but i feel like maybe we're the weird the weird ones kind of i mean it's not like humans evolved to like go in a gym and lift weights we just had very active lives so i think what so much of what there's so much gold in what you said it goes back to earlier it's like you realize that you were really tired of feeling like crap and you know from lots of experience that you have to exercise to feel good. So even if you don't love it, like you value how you feel overall more than like the discomfort and annoyance and whatever of going to the gym. Um, and like what you said about scheduling is exactly why I, I like morning workouts for a lot of people, like especially when I work with people that have really varied schedules, like when I work with musicians, like they don't have evening time. Um, that's when they're playing concerts and gigs or they're teaching lessons and stuff. And like... I were, and not not even musicians, but people that work in office jobs, like every type of client I've ever worked with, like there's always people that despite their best intentions, like, yes, maybe they would feel best physically training at like 5 p.m., but they're always, stuff's always coming up. And so if that is the reality and you know you need to exercise, like you just have to go in the morning, like there's, um, you know, it might suck, but uh, you're an example of like someone who's not naturally wired that way but like you've been so consistent with it over the years even when you were in I know you're in a slightly warmer place right now but even when you were in Chicago and it was cold in the winter like I'd see you checking in and going out and walking and stuff so yep um, you're a great example of making that work yeah can I add something of something course. to that yeah I have found you kind of mentioned um like the 5 p.m workout versus the 5 a.m I like um the times that I've gone and worked out at night, I do actually get like a better workout, right? Because I have been moving around more. I'm not as stiff. I've actually had like a solid meal. 
but it doesn't happen as, as consistently. And so I, I feel like for me, if I get a mediocre workout in the morning, but that happens consistently, that is better than if I get, you know, 110% workout, but it only happens once a month. Like, and then I think too, like, especially kind of like, what am I training for? I'm not training to be on the cover of a magazine. I'm not training to be in a bikini competition or go to CrossFit games or to be the first place finisher in a, in a marathon. I am training for my life. Like I like, again, <laughs> so that I'm not an evil person to other people so that my body doesn't physically hurt. My body hurt so much when I was a teacher. I was so sedentary. I was in physical pain from being a sedentary person. So it's like, you know, the, the, the motivation, it's just like, I just, I just want to be like a healthy, <laughs> normal person and I can get mediocre workouts done more consistently than doing it at night. Um, the other thing too, like with the anxiety, like as someone who is a relatively anxious person, I have reduced a lot of my anxiety. Um, for me, my anxiety pops up like I'm worried, like, will I go do this or will I not? And if I push a workout uh, off to the evening throughout the whole day, there's a constant thought, you know, are you actually going to go? Are you going to go? Maybe you're not going to go. You're probably not going to go. Like just those constant, that constant chatter throughout my day because I'm not sure if it's going to happen. So it's just been easier. No, you wake up. <laughs> I've been wake up and work out. It's done. And I don't have to think about it the rest of the day. It's funny you mentioned that and you're mentioning books as well. I'm reading this book by an author, Cal Newport, who I've read some books by him before, but the book's called Deep Work. There's a fancy psychological term for this, but I don't remember what it is. But basically, it's this idea that like our brain gets stressed out about basically like open loops. So tasks that are undone. So this is just another example. If you're telling yourself, I'm going to work out, you keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it throughout your day. You're just adding stress to your plate versus in the book, they're talking about it in terms of productivity. So like at the end of your workday, you sort of look through unfinished tasks and you have like a loose plan. So you're not stressing about it at night, but this would be a different example of, you know, you want to work out, you know, it stresses you out to wait. So just get it done earlier. And then you feel like you feel physically good. Like you said, you feel good after the workout, not necessarily during it, but sometimes hopefully. And then you feel good that you like check the box, it like closes something psychologically and it just gives you like mental and emotional energy to devote to the other stuff in your day that you want to do. A hundred percent. It's funny. Like you're saying check the box and I have like this like workbook right here with my schedule laid out. And this was, this is actually something that I did start in 2019 where like, when I say like, take dog for a walk, take dog for a walk, wash hair. I had that on a piece of paper for myself to color in that I actually did it because I wasn't doing it. And I needed something physical to see that I was actually taking action with these really small actions because the truth is you're not going to see like the physical, well, you might see the mental benefits and the emotional benefits pretty early on, but you're not going to see like a change in your body um, early on. So it is really helpful to see it on paper, but it's just that like look, I completed a task. I did a thing. Like as someone who struggles to complete things, it just, it's like a, Hey, you're not a piece of crap. Like <laughs> you did accomplish something today. Maybe it's not this big giant thing, you know, this big giant goal, personal goal that you're working on, but you did accomplish these things. And I will say too, like, okay, like now this is four years of doing these things. There's not a lot of planning. There's not a lot of thought. There's not a lot of effort that goes into these things right? Like we've been traveling for 13 weeks. 
I do not stress about what I'm eating or what I'm doing for workouts because those are just ingrained in me through like all of this, this practice. But yeah, it's like, so all of this, I hear that from a lot of people, like when they're traveling, like, oh, I don't know how to eat healthy. Like, how can I do this? And it's like, I don't struggle with that because it's been practiced so much. <laughs> yeah. I, so that's a good segue because we've talked a good amount about your movement practice, your exercise practice, but I know you also have a really great system for healthy eating. And I'd love for you to share like more about that and like what makes it so easy for you. I think my relationship with food mirrors my relationship with exercise and actually took me a longer time to figure out exercise. When I, again, when I was a teacher, when I was working, I did not, I mean, it. yeah, I know like you're supposed to bring a lunch and you're supposed to eat, but it like didn't make sense to me like what I was supposed to be eating. I had no knowledge of nutrition, like no education around what I should be eating. Um, I think I used to bring like a lean pocket because lean pockets are fewer calories than hot pockets. And so, you know, and sometimes I would get to eat it and sometimes I would get pulled away to go watch lunch period and I wouldn't get to eat my lunch. So anyways, when I was a teacher, I was not eating. I was not taking care of myself. If I was eating, it was some processed crap that was like 200 calories and that was like all I ate all day, right? And so then I would get home from work and I would basically binge. Like I would just eat whatever. Also during this life, I'm in my early 20s. I'm in a city for the first time. This is like when Grubhub had started and you can order food from your phone, you know, smartphones. And I'm in a new relationship. So all of those factors and I have a really stressful job. So it's like, I'm not, you know, so many different things. I went from that to getting really into like, dumb diets, like so many different things. I think I first tried counting calories and then I was like, well, this doesn't work. If like you're just eating crackers all day. And then, um, did things with like whole 30, like really into whole 30, um, found myself binging after whole 30. So it was like, previously I felt like I was binging because I wasn't eating enough all day. And then with whole 30, I was binging because I had so much restriction around food and this all or nothing mindset. So it was kind of like a, it was a different, the outcome was similar, but why it was happening, it was very much, it was way too restrictive. Um, like I went from no rules to all of these rules back to like no rules and just like feeling really unsafe around food and sugar and pizza and carbs really unsafe and uneasy. And then again, getting to this point, like you need to figure something out because this is a mess. Like you, you don't feel good if you don't eat healthy. You don't feel good if you eat way too healthy. Isn't there something like in the middle? And so this was probably around um, 2016. I think I, I yeah, February of 2016, I did my last Whole30. It was probably like my fifth Whole30 that I did. Um, March of 2016 had a terrible, terrible pizza binge. And like, I was like, how about you don't run back to Whole30 to fix things and you figure things out with food? Okay, let's again, let's be logical about this and not emotional about this. What has worked when it comes to healthy eating? What's important? 
And I was like, well, like having vegetables is important. That was something that I previously, like I said, I was eating like a lean pocket. Having vegetables is important. And also having protein is important. (laughs) Like you're not going to feel full. You're not eating protein. And having water is important. There were so many times when I was, you know, in a classroom, in an office where I wasn't drinking because drinking water rather um, because I couldn't go to a bathroom break. So I just wouldn't drink water throughout the day, which is really, really bad for you. And so I was like, okay, this is something you've learned. (laughs) Staying hydrated throughout the day is pretty important. Um, So like those things are important, like those are healthy, but also I kind of got to like these different questions. And I was also, um, I was blogging at the time. So I think writing really gave me a lot of opportunity to explore things and try things out. This was not overnight that I had everything figured out, but it kind of centered around this question of like, (laughs) can you learn to be a person that can have some pizza without eating all of the pizza? Like you hate when you don't get to eat pizza. You're from Chicago. You're Italian. You'd like to have carbs in your life. Can you get to this point where you can figure out how to have some pizza without eating all the pizzas? That was one question that kind of guided me. And also, can I be a person that has sugar in the house without eating all of the sugar? Like, can I be a person that feels good at the end of the meal and not gross? And so these we were, these were kind of some guiding questions of like how I kind of figured things out. And then I started piecing things together. Um, and then I started, I kind of went through some training and like, how, how can I make sense of this? And then that's how I kind of came up with um, imperfect eating, which is what I call like my system for eating. And then when I kind of like started teaching this to other people, I really started heavily emphasizing the five P's. Um, A lot of times people will hear imperfect eating, like, look, I'm eating a giant pizza. I'm being imperfect. And I'm like, yeah, but don't you feel gross after eating the giant pizza? Like that doesn't feel good. So I really started emphasizing the five P's, which are plants. So that covers like the vegetables. I also too, like, like, yes, like the peas, like, because it, it goes with this little saying, but also as someone who travels a lot, sometimes it is hard to find vegetables when you're on the go. So if you can find a piece of fruit, 7-Eleven sells bananas. They're two for a dollar. You might not find, be able to find vegetables at 7-Eleven, but you can get a banana and sometimes that's good to go. And I'll give an example of that in a second, but the five P's plants, protein, um, a little bit of processed fun food, plenty of water and plate it. So like those five things, if you can use that system to create your meals, it's really helpful. So the example of the, the seven 11, um, a couple of years ago, I went to volunteer at the Chicago marathon and I thought that they were feeding us breakfast when we were there. It turns out they were just feeding us lunch. So I was, I showed up for an eight hour shift on my feet, had nothing to eat for breakfast. And I was like, I need to get something. There was a Seven Eleven across the street, went in there. I was like, I need to get something because I'm going to be on my feet until 12 PM. But when they're going to serve us lunch, great. I can use the five P's. Seven Eleven sells bananas, <laughs> grabs a banana. I think two, cause she said a dollar, <laughs> take two. And I found a protein bar. So I had plants, protein, um, grabbed the bottle of water. I had plenty of water. Did I, oh, the protein bar had a little process. But, and then I sat down and ate it. So like having that system, like it really does help me um, go through like, ah, I'm in this imperfect situation in life where I didn't like pack my meal. 
how can I handle this? And I think right now too, on this road trip, it's been really helpful. We stop at a gas station. What do we have here? Hey, great. Again, most gas stations, um, a lot will have like apples or bananas. Um, they might not be the best tasting, but it's something. And then you can grab a protein bar or you can get like beef jerky, um, or a protein shake. Like it really just kind of helps. Um, and I think too, like the other piece of like knowing that like life is really imperfect. You know, the only time like I've had perfect nutrition was when I did Whole30s and I stayed home and didn't go out with friends and I didn't travel and I like stayed in an apartment because I was afraid of food. And it's like, great, you ate perfectly for 30 days. You also missed out on life (laughs) for 30 days. So this system has really, it's been helpful. Yeah, like I guess it's, this is seven years, six years, seven years, crazy, but it's been really helpful. And I haven't changed very much. Like, I think I've learned like different foods that I've incorporated, like, oh, I've never had this vegetable or whatever this meal, but I would say the bulk of my meals kind of follow that template. That's great. Yeah. I love, like, it's, it's kind of similar to some of the framework that I teach in my sane and simple nutrition course, which also uses peas, but I think it's just easy because you have protein and plants. So then you just like find peas to fit the other. Exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I've worked with a lot of clients that are sort of eating on the go for better or for worse sometimes. And it's a similar conversation we have. It's like, okay, what do you need to feel good and have energy for what you have later? It's typically some type of protein, um, typically some type of like fruit or vegetable. Um, For some people, maybe they like to have a little bit of carbs. Some people, they don't. But it's just like really simple categories. And it does it you just kind of like check the box when you're creating your meal at 7-Eleven or wherever. And then you can feel good about that and you know that you have what you need to like make it to a real meal or whatever. So um, it's so easy to remember. And I I just love the like imperfect eating. I I love what you said about Whole30. So I only did one Whole30. Um, It was in sort of a phase that I had where I also did like every diet known to man, at least at the time. There's some new ones out now that didn't exist back then. Like I never did the carnivore (laughs) diet, for example. It's probably for the best. But yeah, it's like, it's sort of like your white, knuckling it for 30 days you're not you i maybe you're learning some new recipes but you're not really learning any like useful skills and then when it's over the at least the way it was when i did it which was years ago so maybe they've changed um how they instruct people to do it but they were basically like okay on one day you're gonna have sugar again and one day you're gonna have dairy again it's basically an excuse to like have a binge on those things if you have a real need to do like an elimination diet like you think you have some sort of you know whatever uh, allergy Uh, intolerance like go do that with a nutritionist (laughs) don't do it on your own in that way I just don't I I mean I don't typically like blanket say I don't like stuff but I I really just don't like the whole philosophy I don't like all the rules like I don't think it's teaching you helpful mindsets around like eating food in the real world like you said like you can't go out like at all if you're actually doing the whole 30 because anywhere you go is going to have like forbidden foods um it just creates a lot of unnecessary fear like when i think they've changed it now but when i did it you couldn't eat potatoes like potatoes were an off-limit food like stuff like that is just not helpful long term but so much of the marketing in the nutrition space is telling people that's what they need so it's so refreshing to have like something that's literally called imperfect eating but it like ultimately it creates the result that people want which is you know um like better body composition and health like more energy throughout the day and like less neuroses and anxiety around food and like the ability to eat 
pizza like you do once a week or have dessert every day like you do like that I feel is what people are really after so this approach is just a lot makes a lot more sense to me personally and as a coach and I think like you know things like whole 30 or the carnivore diet or keto or you know all of these things that like someone just made this up and said this these are the rules right it really like you can look into um start Googling some stuff about diets and cults and, but it really like puts this person, the guru on a pedestal where you are consulting that person. If it's okay to eat potatoes, right? <laughs> this person, like you are asking someone, is it, is this okay? Which is so ridiculous. And I've talked to clients too, like, especially if I talk to people who are moms or dads um, and you had a baby, right? You had, you've had children was it okay to feed your child, your toddler, sweet potatoes, you know, like, and you're like, yeah, it's okay for them. So why all of a sudden as an adult, does it feel not okay to have sweet potatoes or white potatoes? Right. It's just so ridiculous, but it, um, it just this, you know, it's, it's set up to consult someone else. If something is okay for you, it releases a lot of, here's a, it, going back to the victim. <laughs> Um, it puts you in this victim mentality. You're constantly consulting someone else for your body. And then also too, like when it doesn't work out, you feel like a victim. Like you feel like, you know, nothing ever works for me. I'll never be (laughs) successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of coaches say this and I say it too, it can feel a little like sort of abstract, but ultimately you kind of have to figure out what works for you. But what does that mean in practice? It means like when I eat this thing, like, does it make me feel gross? Okay. Maybe I'll eat less of that. But it doesn't mean, oh, someone on the internet told me I can't eat this thing because it's going to cause some sort of like medical issue or whatever. Like it's sort of being in your own body and your own lived experience and like, you know, paying attention. And like some people maybe can't eat certain foods because they don't agree with them. But like, we're like we kind of have to find that out for ourselves. And it's just so unhelpful to have these like blanket categories of like no processed food, no sugar, like no gluten, no dairy, like unless you know through experience or through some sort of like actual medical testing that you can't eat those things, um, you can probably eat them. You might just, you know, consider like what role should they play in my diet so that I feel good basically. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, again, like imperfect, like, oh, great, we're going to eat imperfect things. And also you have an imperfect life. I would say over the last year, so during the summer I had COVID, I lost my taste and smell. It was awful. And I always laugh like, oh, man, this would be funny if I was doing a whole 30 because I couldn't. Like, there were so few things that sounded appetizing to eat because I couldn't taste anything, right? And so my meals, you know, I still did my best to use like the five P's. Cause like, obviously I still need nutrition. Like I don't want to wither away and I need to get better. And also tasting different things was supposed to help with your sense and your taste and all of this. But anyways, that like having the system helped with that. And also right now, um, I actually have to go get dental work done next week. Um, and I'm into like my, my teeth hurt, like it hurts. And so, um, my husband was like, Hey, do you want me to get steak? And I was like, honestly, I can't chew it. Like I can't chew that right now. So I need to veer off into like some like softer foods to eat right now. And that doesn't look like this perfect template that some, you know, internet guru, um, says I should eat like, um, it is softer food. So yeah, it's just like, it, it is this, like, you have to, the going back to, you have to figure out what works for you. And that is really vague, but it, you 
figure out what works for you by stealing things from other people. Like, okay, like you mentioned, your system for eating and mine, like we have plants and protein. (laughs) That should be in everyone's meal. Like that's like general, like that should be, but steal that, like that works. What other things do you need that are going to help you so that you can feel good so that you can actually stay consistent with things? Yeah. So helpful. Um, I know we only have like maybe 10 minutes. So I want to, there's a couple things I want to make sure I ask you. So one of them just kind of to put um, like a last bit on this food thing. I know you have dessert like most days. And I know part of your mantra, as you've said, is have some of the pizza, but not all the pizza. So like, I think a lot of people listening that are struggling with food would be like, oh my gosh, like I could never do that. Like every time I do that, I eat the whole thing of ice cream or eat the whole pizza. So like, what advice do you have um, to at least get started? If that's where someone wants to end up, like what should they be doing? Yeah, that is a a controversial thing, I guess, that when I talk to clients about. Um, Okay, so the first thing is you need to make make sure you're eating. Like so many people think that they're addicted to sugar. Because they get home from work, you know, and they're in the pantry eating a box of cookies. But if we look at the beginning of their day, they haven't eaten anything. And so what is their body going to crave? The easiest way to get calories in. And what's the easiest way to get calories in? Sugar, processed food, carbs, right? Like that is the quickest way that you can. It takes 15 minutes to chew a salad, right? That's very slow. It takes a long time to do. It takes three seconds to eat a muffin, like a chocolate chip muffin. So I think that that's the first thing is like, one, you need to make sure that you are eating a breakfast, a lunch, possibly a snack. Um, You know, when I work with clients, we kind of map out their day and it's like, you had lunch at 12 p.m. and then dinner's not until 6 p.m. So that's six hours that that lunch is supposed to last. What would happen if you had a snack around three or four or on your commute, you know, whatever, what would happen? You probably wouldn't be binging at 6 PM. So that's the first thing. Make sure you're eating. The second thing too, I think is like, you need to drop this mentality and this like identity of being addicted to sugar. If you constantly, this goes back to the victim thing that we were talking about. If you tell yourself that you're a sugar addict and someone puts in sugar in front of you, it's kind of like, oh, I can't help myself. Like, I got to eat all of this. So it's like, it's setting yourself up. It's the self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think those are the first two things. Get those in the clear. You don't have those settled. What I'm about to talk about when it comes to sugar, it won't work. It really will not work. But for me, I was, when I was like, cool, I'm not doing Whole30 anymore, um, but I'm also terrified to have sugar in the house. I'm terrified to have ice cream or cookies, you know, candy bars, you know, the that last binge. So I mentioned, did Whole30, um, we ordered pizza. I ate probably half of a large, um, half of an extra large pizza. Then we went to the store and we got cookies, kettle corn. We got this chocolate uh, cake. And I remember eating the chocolate cake and being like, this is so, like, I didn't even like it, but I felt this, like, I have to keep eating this. It was a mess. Uh, but I thought I, I thought I was a sugar addict. What I did after that was like, cool, I want to learn how to have some pizza without eating all the pizza. I want to be able to have cookies in the house without feeling nervous about having cookies in the house. Um, I started incorporating that. I started practicing having it. Um, but I had very clear and I want to say strict boundaries around what it would look like. So for me, it was like, 
I don't need to be eating sugar all day, but I do want, I do like having dessert after dinner. It's something to look forward to. So I started practicing having like a little single serving dessert after dinner. Again, I had been eating all day. I'd been working on not seeing myself as a sugar addict, but I would like practice having it. And I was very strict on like, it needs to be single serving. I really didn't trust myself to have a giant pint of ice cream or a whole cake in the house. So for me, it really, it started with, um, I would make like this brownie batter from protein powder, like chocolate protein powder and mix it with like a little bit of um, almond milk and maybe top it with like a little bit of peanut butter. So it started with that. Then it kind of got to like, maybe I can buy ice cream, like um, what do you call it? Like ice cream sandwiches or like ice cream that's on a stick. I can't think of what that's called, but again, like single serving. And I was very strict about you need to practice having this. Um, that's something I talk about with clients a lot, like deliberate practice. Another really great book I read, um, the brain that changes itself. If you want to wire something, you want to encode something, you need deliberate practice in like doing this new thing. Don't feel guilty or bad that you don't know how to do it from the beginning, but it was this deliberate practice. And that was probably, that was for a while. Um, and then, it kind of grew to like being able to have cookies or cake or whatever in the house. There definitely, I want to also mention there are times that I messed up and I had too much. And then it's that, like you said, this doesn't feel good. It actually doesn't feel good to eat um, half of a cake. It doesn't feel good to have like a sugar hangover. Um, As I was learning to do this, like I remember there were times that I messed up and I could feel like, I remember this one night, it felt like my heart was beating so fast. I felt like it was going to jump out of my skin. And so I was like, cool, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't want to overeat this food because um, I don't like feeling like that. But yeah, it was like, it was practice. Um, now I would say I probably, you know, on my little schedule that I have written out, I can have dessert every day. Um, sometimes if I've eaten I would say like a meal that has uh, a lot of protein. I sometimes I just don't want dessert by the end of the night. It doesn't sound appetizing to me. Um, We have like, we got those like little mini cupcakes yesterday that are like two bite cupcakes or whatever. And I had two of those last night and the rest of them are sitting in the cupboard and they'll sit there until I have another two (laughs) tonight. But I have really found that like actually incorporating it has helped me feel less afraid of sugar and also, um, but yeah, I, I think that the big thing I want to end this with is it is, a, it's so important to eat throughout the day. If you try to like, oh, I'm going to eat too many cupcakes at the end of the night, but you haven't eaten all day, you're going to eat 12, but it's not because of your, you're an addict. You just, you didn't eat. You didn't take time to eat. Yeah. I resonate with so much of what you said. I see this all the time. I mean, a lot of times it's from good intentions or maybe people feel guilty or ashamed or gross from what they did the night before. So they think they're going to make up for it, but like you cannot outsmart your body. (laughs) Um, It just doesn't work. And if you have like a really busy afternoon or a varied schedule, I know we talked briefly about this earlier, but like making time to like actually eat something really can go a long way. Or like if you eat three meals already, but like you're struggling at night, like I've done this with multiple clients. We just add a really small afternoon snack and like that helps so much. And like, you're right. I mean, so this is something that I struggled with for like years and years and years. And like, it took me like literally probably 
over a you know th multiple thousands of times of overeating to realize that like it just doesn't it doesn't feel good like you think it sounds it sounds fun like your brain you know this is part of like the whole mindset of like a process addiction where you have like a big dopamine surge anticipating what you're going to do and planning it and looking forward to it but like actually doing it the overeating the binging like it doesn't feel good and you just you have to get to a point where like you sort of accept that <laughs> um you might think or want it to be one way but that's just not the way that it is and i think that that's really helpful but yeah i love everything about what you said um so the last thing that i wanted to ask before i ask you to like share more because i know you have um something coming up soon that you uh, i want you to talk about but and this will probably tie into that actually so it's the beginning of 2023 like january 11th for me i feel like this is like january 2nd because i just came back from vacation but i know we're like halfway through the month um i know it's like nothing to complain about but a lot of people are trying to get started making changes whatever like I want to know maybe like the one or two things that you think are most important to building consistency with something. And maybe especially for people who like have struggled with consistency before or they feel like they can never get it right or they're always starting and stopping things. Yeah. And I so resonate with the starting and stopping things. <laughs> Me too. So the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what's really funny. I was, I was just talking with this about a client. I was talking about this with a client and I think even just that, like knowing starting and stopping actually is not a bad thing because it shows that you are trying to work on something. And I think it's actually really, really normal to be sporadic before you're consistent. And so there's, um, you can Google trans theoretical. I was just, about to, I was just about to say something about it. Yes. Trans theoretical model yep. change. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But basically like, the first stage is pre-contemplation where you don't even know, you don't even know that something is wrong and that there needs to be a change there. Like you have no idea. So when you're at the contemplation stage, I, I hope, hope I'm saying this right, but basically like you kind of know, like there's something that needs to change and, um, you know, maybe you're kind of like gathering, you know, researching and gathering some ideas. And then the next stage is like taking action and, a lot of people feel so much shame because they, they started and stopped something. But the truth is like being sporadic and trying different things out is actually a really natural progression to actually making a long-term change and being consistent. And so it's like, after that, I think is maintenance. I might have these. Yeah. So it's, um, it's pre-contemplation and then contemplation, which people gloss over, but that's actually the stage where we spend the most time and change is contemplation, like thinking. And then there's preparation where you're like gathering materials and then action. And then I think it's maintenance where you're maintaining with less effort. I believe those are the five stages. Thank you. Yes. But yeah, that, I, um, I think again, it's this, <laughs> it's drop this story about there being something wrong with you that you haven't figured this out yet and know like, like that's okay. And it's normal. And there's so many things like in my life that I am trying to accomplish. And it's like, I feel all of the shame that it did. Like, it didn't make sense to me on the first day. And I make up this story about how it has made sense. You know, so-and-so had an overnight success. And the truth is, is, no, they didn't. They didn't. They were doing all of this background stuff. I have no idea how long it's actually taken them to accomplish this goal. Um, maybe they, you know, I don't know. So drop this story that there is something wrong with you that you have started and stopped and you haven't been able to figure it out. But then from there, <laughs> the only way that you're actually going to figure it out and 
move forward and make progress is with action. Nothing changes without action. We can stay in our heads and we can think about things and we can research things. And I've talked to people too. They'll be like, oh, I'm just like, I'm waiting. Like, it feels like I'm just, I'm waiting for the thing to start. And it's like, it started today. <laughs> it started. Just go take action. Um, I think for me, you know, I just, I just spent all of this time talking about like a morning habit. <laughs> Recently, I've started um, working on going and moving my body after my work day, right? I know this is actually more challenging for me than doing it in the morning. But the way that I have taken action on this and like really been consistent with it, and I kind of like, I feel like, oh, wow, this is pretty good. A couple things. One, identifying my motivating factors. So a lot of time it's that pain and pleasure. I am so sick of feeling this way. I'd like to feel this way. For me, I don't like the way I feel during winter when it's 5 p.m., and you watch TV from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., whether that's TV or your little TV on your phone, I don't like that feeling. I feel sluggish. I feel uh, guilt. I feel restless. I don't like that feeling. I The pleasure I'd like to feel, I'd like to feel accomplished. I'd like to feel energized. I'd like to not feel crappy. So I think that's the first thing. And then, so that's the motivation. And then the action part, like what is the smallest action you can take? For me, I just have to go to the gym. I get to the gym. It doesn't matter what I do. I actually am just walking on the treadmill for 20 minutes, but that's it. I don't have anything complex. I'm not trying to do this super complex workout. It's just get to the gym. Um, in Atomic Habits, another really great book, he talks about like two, the two-minute rule. Um, like whatever you're starting, just start, you know, just start with like two minutes, like a two-minute habit, and then progress from there. So if it's someone that's like trying to work on eating healthy, you know, instead of doing something really complex, I would start with like um, the motivation. You don't like feeling like binging at night or feeling sluggish throughout the day, whatever, and you'd like to feel normal. Start with actually taking a lunch. So many people just skip lunch. They don't take time to eat lunch. I would start with that, like something really small. And once you have that habit of actually taking lunch, great. Can you incorporate more vegetables? Can you incorporate more protein? Can you extend it from 10 minutes to 15 minutes? Like, but I think um, being methodical about things, um, I would also say too, like I am big about having things on paper. I think you have your workouts in a journal that, you know, like on paper, um, apps are great. They're wonderful. But I think that there's something about having things on like physical paper. Um, I think also tracking things off, coloring in the box, checking in a box when you've done the action so you can see like a physical, like a concrete, you know, of, of your progress, like a, like a, a piece of paper that shows the progress that you're making. Um, and I think the last thing I want to mention, I all, all the over the place, but like, it really is focusing on the action instead of the result. If I, um, you know, over the last 13 weeks that if I, had these aspirations to make my body look like it was on the cover of a bikini magazine, I would probably feel really upset with myself, but really it's like, no, I'm just focusing on the actions. And the truth is I've, I've actually built a lot of muscle <laughs> over the last 13 weeks. I don't look like the cover of a bikini magazine, but um, just focusing on the actions and showing up has produced a lot of results. Yeah. And like, that's really what coaches mean. A lot of times they're like, I don't know, like, 
what do they say? Like, you got to fall in love with the process. Like, you may never, like, fall in love with exercise or, like, I don't know. Like, no one's pretending that, like, a salad tastes way better than, like, you know, whatever, processed food or cake or whatever. But it's, like, checking it off and knowing that you showed up for yourself and also getting, like, the micro rewards of, like, okay, now I feel more energized. Now I don't feel like crap. Like, that's more, I think, of what it needs versus, like, okay, I have to look a certain way, I have to lose a certain amount of weight or achieve whatever, like, that's not actually as rewarding as focusing on, like, those small things along the way. It isn't. Those times that, and the times that I have been so obsessed with the product or the results and what I looked like were the times I was, I was so miserable. I was so miserable. And it's like, great, I look great for this photo, but I'm actually miserable inside. Yeah. And like, ultimately, we only have so much control over that. But what we do have control over is that taking action piece. Yep. So I know you're talking about like the the physical, you're showing your sheets. And I, I believe this has something to do with um, something that you're launching based on what I've seen on social media. So yeah. I would like love to hear more about that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yes. So what I'm working on right now you know, over the years, I've done a lot of different things. Like as a coach, like I've had things with running, I've had things with mindset, I've had things like on body image or like learning to stop binging. And through all of it, I have learned that my clients who have been super successful are the ones have really that have really focused on the process and really have focused on taking action and being a consistent person. And so I'm kind of like in this process right now of like revamping things and like, what is it that I want to <laughs> help people with and like share with the world. And um, it comes down to this, like, I want to help people get consistent with. And so that's the name of the program. It's an eight week program and it's helping you get consistent with like one of three strands, which are getting consistent with mornings, uh, getting consistent with meals or getting consistent with movement. Um, you know, I just recently actually tagged you and a couple of other people in a post when it comes to exercise, if you need help with, um, you have a specific uh, injury that you need to recover from or like you're training to be in the police academy and you need to like have this fitness test. You definitely want to reach out to an expert, like a personal trainer who knows about the body and exercise science and all of that stuff. But if you're a person who's like, I work from home, you know, I'm a remote worker. I've been home the last three years. My day is a mess and I'm not taking action. I actually just need to like set up this system of like, actually taking time to eat, actually taking time to exercise. If that's kind of like what you're looking for, this program is going to help that. And it's going to talk, it's really like, it's kind of this shell that you need. Um, previously, I was a kindergarten teacher and kindergarten really is all about setting up the habit of going to school every day, setting up the habit of knowing how to use a pencil, setting these things up. And I think as adults, we skip over that. Um, Atomic Habits, he talks about standardize before you optimize. So many people try to optimize before they have actually standardized. They don't have this habit in place and try to go be an expert. So yeah, I'm excited. Get consistent with it's an eight week program. Um, it's one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't do group coaching. I, I think as an introvert, I prefer one-on-one <laughs> -on -one coaching, but I'm really excited for it. So it's launching. Um, I'm looking at the end of January, early February. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. So where can people go to find more about you or find more about the program? Or both. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So the website is systemsforselfcare.com. And then my social media is Jacqueline.Riccio.Stover. Um, and then I also have a podcast, which <laughs> Caroline has been on a couple of times. And um, that's called Actually You Are Real Runner. Even if you're not a runner, you know, we talk about running, but we talk about kind of a lot 
lot of different things like we talked about on today's podcast. But yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'll post all that in the show notes as well. So people can make sure they can find all that. Um, awesome. Well, this was such a great first episode. I feel like inspired <laughs> after talking to you. Um, and I hope that listeners also feel similar. Um, I just love this approach to like, in a sense, it's kind of like no bullshit. It's like, you can do the thing. You just have to get a little bit, you know, practical, but also like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to follow some crazy plan. Like you don't have to love every part of what you're doing all the time to take action and actually feel better. Um, so it's really, really good stuff. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for being on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong. Oh, 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 oh,